Well everybody, what's the crack? And welcome back to episode number 14 of the Inline G Flute Podcast with me, your host, motherfucking Inline G. Welcome back, my wee mates and mateettes. You thought I've been waiting a week for this episode. You have been, you haven't slept, thinking what is Gareth going to finish this trilogy with? How does it end? Will we ever know? I'm sure you have been tossing and turning all week. Well, wait no further. I'm here, baby. It's okay. I haven't been waiting a week. I finished ep- uh, filming on episode 13 about seven minutes ago. And I went downstairs and got a new drink and came back up. And now I also had a quick costume change for the video watchers. I got a new hat on. And I'm ready to wrap this podcast up. Well, the trilogy. I'm not wrapping the podcast up. We're only getting started here, baby. Um, but I'm going to wrap the trilogy up. Actually, when this episode comes out, whenever I think it's Friday the 6th of October this comes out which is two weeks from now, I'm speaking to you from the past. When this episode comes out, I will be in beautiful Belfast. And actually that exact day, I will be going to a football match that night. Real football, not American football, actual football. I'm not calling it soccer, but football. Um, I'll be going to a football match that night. And I'm very excited for it already. It's uh, Belfast's answer to the great football rivalry, El Clasico. El Clasico is, of course, Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Um, And Belfast's answer is Bell Classico, and that features Linfield versus Glentorn. A much less glamorous affair, but a lot more Guinness at it, and a couple of pints of harp, and I can't wait. So if you're listening to this right now, and it isn't yet 7.45pm on Friday the 6th of October, fire me a message and say, good luck for the match tonight. If you fire it before 3pm, I might even be sober. But Jakob will be with me, probably, if he hasn't died by this point. So, yeah, enjoy hearing from you all. I'm getting this little call back from two weeks ago. It'll spook the fuck out of me. Now, anyway, I haven't got any news for you on figures, like watch figures and streaming figures. I like to keep you guys updated, especially the core group. The core group of uh, fans is the wrong word, but the guys that watch this podcast, you know who you are. The people who have either been there since the start, who have followed along from maybe the midpoint of the episodes, in and around episodes five to six. There's a small group of people that follow every episode and they comment on all my videos and they interact with me on TikTok and Instagram. Not on Facebook, Facebook's a load of bollocks. Um... But you guys are there, and I'd like to keep you guys updated on the figures, because I feel like we're in this together. You guys uh, commenting every single week, or liking the posts, or the videos, or the social media stuff, it keeps the gods of the algorithm happy, and it keeps this podcast successful, and it is getting more successful, and I'm very happy, and I feel like we're in this together. So when I record the next episode in Belfast, I will probably give you an update on figures, if I remember. Remind me, you're speaking to me. Um... So yeah, anyway, today we're going to wrap up this trilogy about the royal lineage of the flute. Episode 12 started that trilogy off where we talked about Jean-Pierre Rampal heading into Jimmy Galway and Fanny Emmanuel Bau, and that is the trilogy of the most artistically and commercially successful flute pairs of all time. So in that episode, we looked at the link between them, what they all had in common to make themselves so famous. Last week's episode, aka episode 13, was where we looked at the potential challenges for the next person to take on that role and what they will be essentially so things like social media the cost of living crisis streaming crossover artistry and we took miss esther Habami, the french violinist as an example of that do you have to listen to those two episodes to get today's episode not really but i would maybe go read the descriptions okay so could just click on the youtube video click on the spotify link read the description of it that might be enough if you're not a flute player maybe google the three lads from the first episode quickly just to get to know who they are especially jimmy Google James Galway, he's from Belfast too, I'm in Belfast at this point, 
for the serendipity of it all. But apart from that, no, you don't need to. You'd be great. But today we're finishing up this trilogy by talking about who might be next. I'm going to speculate. I've got a few candidates for that role. And we'll just take a general kind of work at, look at that post-Bayou world. So we'll also look at some people that might have got the role. Some contemporaries of Mr. Bayou now. Who nearly got there. But to be honest just couldn't take that role on because they're alive at the same time as Emmanuel Bayou. And that's a poison chalice then. Impossible. Impossible. But again, I have to stress this enough. Emmanuel Bayou is only 53 years of age. He is playing better and looking better than ever. He is on fucking fire at the minute. And we are nowhere near the end of the Bayou era. Mr. Bayou is not going to be hanging up his flute anytime fucking soon. He's doing amazing. But it's fun to speculate. So that's all we're going to do. The next flute superstar might not even be born yet. That's how long Bayou's longevity will probably be. I'd say Bayou will play at that level well into his 60s and could still keep it up i'd say the near 70s so they might not even be born yet or they might be very young but let's pretend they might be and yeah we'll pretend that they've already started making their mark so yeah we'll look at the contemporaries of bayou playing alongside him now who if he wasn't there might have grasped the title just so i can cover that base and then i've got three players three candidates for who might take the throne and the three candidates will be I will have the obvious favourite, the favourite for the role, the obvious one. I will have the up-and-comer, and I will have the wild card. Did I just make up those three titles on the spot? Yes, I fucking did. Am I a little bit drunk? Yes, I am. But anyway, actually, what are we drinking? Well, what aren't we drinking? That's probably the better question. If you if, if you haven't seen episode 13, yeah, episode 13... Go and watch the last few seconds of that and then open this episode up and just see the transition. It's a bit like how if you watch like the old Star Wars movies and just catch the last few minutes of it and then turn, no, watch the new ones and then turn on the old ones. I go, oh, fuck, that's amazing. But although I know it's meant to be one after the other, there's a lot of things that seem to be missing. That's what's happening here. The seven minutes in between recording these two episodes, I had an extra drink because I'm excited for my holidays. And then I thought, can't bring another vodka up those stars. If I start recording a game with a vodka, Jesus Christ. Ah, bad things will happen. So I've got a Fru Radler, which is a fucking brilliant invention in Germany. Germany does so many things right in the modern age. Not always known for doing things right. They had a wee blip. Germany had a wee off period. A wee, wee dark period. Just a wee, a wee blip. You know, 1939 to 1945, the sort of... Uh, few errors in there in their Germany, but they recovered well with the invention of Rattler, which is kind of like a like a shandy back in the UK. I don't know what the American equivalent is, some pish probably. Actually, it's probably like Bud Light Lime, but anyway, which I love. Fruit Rattler, it's like 80% beer, I think 20% lemonade, but really nice, high-quality organic lemonade. Fucking lovely, and I'm drinking one of them. So again, quickly, before we start in this episode, fucking really quickly, um, you can donate to the podcast if you want. Oh, let me try and, I should write a script for this. The podcast is free. The podcast will always be free. I will never bring in a subscription service where you have to pay more to get more content. Everyone gets the same amount of content, whether you give money or whether you don't. I don't give a fuck about money. But if you want to donate to the podcast, it is incredibly appreciated because this takes up a lot of time, a lot of fucking time. And yeah, small donations are very appreciated to help keep the lights on around this place and to yeah help you for the time that i'm not doing other jobs and i'm turning away you know certain opportunities to make sure i can work on this podcast because it's a real passion project of mine so if you want to donate to the podcast there is a link in the description for wherever you listen to this if you don't know where that is 
go onto my Instagram page, hit link in bio, and there's a little button to hit buy me a drink. Now, I would recommend you buy me, you give me the amount of whatever Dr. Pepper is in your country, let's say once a month. So three quid. That's enough. If you get, I know, a couple of hours of entertainment, if you watch this podcast regularly and you get a couple of hours of entertainment out of it, great. Throw me three quid for it. It's a quarter of what Netflix charge. It's better quality content. And if you can't afford it, doesn't matter. Listen for free. It's all even. Anyway, let's get into this episode. So the first part of the episode, quickly, and I mean quickly because I'm trying to keep these episodes under 35 minutes. The first part of the episode is going to be talking about the contemporaries of Mr. Emmanuel Bayou. So these are the players that are knocking about right now. Payu's been on the scene for a long time, but especially right now. That if Payu wasn't there, these guys might be the flute superstars. But they probably just suffer from the simple fact that they're alive at the same time as Payu. And you're kind of cursed at that point. So in the last episode, I did talk, or the episode before the last, I did talk already about Dennis Boryakov and Jasmine Choi. So that's why they're not in this episode. I've already covered them. Go listen to that. You can skip ahead. Go find that in the last episode. It's in the descriptions of episode 12. But here's some other currently active flute players that might have been Bayou if Bayou wasn't there. So, first up, Andrea Oliva. One of my fucking favourites. One of my absolute favourites. I had the joy of playing for him a couple of years ago in Italy. I had the joy of having a pint of harp with him, which was the most surreal experience in my life. Um, I'll tell you about that in a second because it ties into the flute player after. But anyway, Andrea Oliva is the current principal flute of Santa Cecilia in Rome. Great orchestra, obviously. And he's been there since 2003. He was also principal flute of the Chamber Orchestra of Europe, or is, you know, one of the many flute players who plays principal with them. Only the kind of the best players do that. Incredible player. You can hear the direct link with James Galway, 100%. Um, he's very Italian, but has a beautiful, nuanced way of phrasing his music. So his sound is very a la Jimmy. Very brilliant, super colourful vibrato. Vibrato? Fuck me, God. Vibrato. Um golden sound very virtuosic but there is a very subtle nuance to his actual musicality which makes as well great player the only reason he didn't get as famous by is because Bowie's alive at the same time and that goes for the next guy as well david formizano another italian flute player currently principal with la scala in milan if you don't know who la scala are turn this podcast off and go fucking google la scala right learn who la scala are jesus christ guys you should know um one of the big operas in Italy in Milan. Fucking amazing. Obviously, like in terms of opera pedigree, La Scala is it, and being principal through La Scala is a big deal. He was also at Hamburg Stats Opera and the Netherlands Radio Orchestra. A very unique sound in David Formisano. Think of Jimmy Galway, but on cocaine. Like it's richer and darker than and when you see him live, I've never heard a food player like him live. It was scary nearly. But anyway, my quick story about Andrea and David is I went to a summer festival in Napoli or Salerno just near Napoli a couple of years ago and it was in the middle of nowhere in a big university town and one night we went up for drinks in Salerno itself there was it's a tiny town it wasn't even in Salerno it was a village outside Salerno there was one pub I went up with the other students and I went in the pub and who do I see looking back at me but harp beer they had it on tap on draft harp lager is a very famous lager back in Ireland for old people and I saw it in the middle of Italy and I got a few pints of that in. And then five minutes later, a taxi pulls up and Andrea and David come out and they've had a few drinks at dinner. And I sat and had a pint of harp on the steps of the bar with Andrea. And we talked about how much he dreams of going to Belfast one day because Jimmy Galway is his hero. And that's a moment I'll hold in my life. That's a hold in my heart for the rest of my life. Incredible. Some man for one man. Anyway, next, uh, Julian Bunimo, next flute player, currently the principal for Leon Opera. 
was principal flute of the BBC Wales Orchestra, was amazed to learn that he was the first and still only French flute player to hold a position in a major UK orchestra. Fucking incredible. He went back, he's back at the LA, or the Lyon Opera now, but he was at the LA Phil for a while. Now he's back at Lyon. He's got a new album coming out in a couple of weeks, actually. By the time this comes out, the album will be out, actually. California Dreaming. Fucking amazing cover as well, by the way. I just saw it today. Looks incredible. Looks like a real piece of art, that album. Great program on it. So let me know how it is. I probably heard it already, but no. Nah. Looks great. So it's out now. Julien Bodimont, go fucking check it out. And the last one is Mr. Adam Walker, who will get a podcast episode of his own for sure one day. And he's one of the top people I would love to interview. I met him when I was younger. Incredible. So Adam Walker is the principal foot of the London Symphony Orchestra. He got that job at 21 years of age, 21 years of age. He's got the Orsino Ensemble ensemble which is his wind chamber group does all kinds of mad stuff still a big soloist he's playing with the Ulster Orchestra this year in Belfast and he's 35 man he's still young as shit he could still be a candidate to be honest and to be totally honest I should have probably put him in the next list instead of this list I should have put in the list of people that could genuinely be considered to succeed by who the reason I didn't is because I forgot I'm a lazy bastard and we've already started recording we're 13 minutes in so sorry Adam but you're in this list. But in my heart, you're in the next list. I'm just, I've made a balls of it. But please come on my podcast anyway. Okay, let's look at the next potential top candidates for the role. So, who is going to be the next Emmanuel Bayou or the next Jimmy Golly or the next Jean-Pierre Lampard? Now, again, I've said this a thousand fucking times. I'm going to say a thousand more because I know someone's going to come for me. This I, I can feel it. I know what fruit players are like, man. And if you're from Facebook Fruit Forum, fuck you. I am on that group a lot at the minute. I am in that group so much at the minute. Just winding people up. If you've seen me in the Facebook Food Forum group and you've thought, why is Gareth doing that? Please remember I'm collecting content for a potential future episode. I'm not really, but man, they talk so much balls in that group. What was the argument I got into this week? Some guy had said that material doesn't matter for the flute. It's all the same. They had an experiment from 1973 to get proven. And then another guy was like, yeah, there's a new experiment, blah, blah. The experiment was such a load of dog shit, man. It was such a load of dog shit. And he was like, yeah, but science is right. And I'm like, mate, you're fucking American. You're wrong. But I love... I can't help, I bite. I bite. Fucking Americans, man. But anyway, yeah. Why did I get into that? Fuck, I go around some tangents in this podcast. Anyway, yeah, don't come for me. Alright, I know Bowie's young. I'm the biggest Manuel Bowie fan on this fucking planet. I know he's young. I know he's got a lot left in him. We're not planning for his death yet. But I'm just saying who could be next in line. Because it's fun. And that's what this podcast is about. So this is obviously highly subjective. It's three players that I personally fucking adore. And I think they're hitting all the right boxes. And as of my list that I made up off the top of my head, seven minutes ago, or eight minutes ago, there are three players. Number one is going to be the favourite. So the person that I think we all expect, if we're picking someone from the modern flute world, who's already on the scene to take over that role, it'll be number one. Number two is going to be up-and-comer. Somebody's kind of burst onto the scene a little bit later, and might be there. Number three is the wild card fucking wild man i'm just picking it because i'm a big fan of them and throwing it in so let's go number one. Oh, that's so nice by the way rattler is like it doesn't taste like alcohol and it's so nice when you're hungover um i talk like an alcoholic in this podcast i'm really not i'm just irish right number one sebastian yasu yasu sorry he is swiss sebastian yasu so he would be the favorite and I think that's pretty fair to say. So, a bit of background on Mr. Jasso. I said Jasso, it must be. He's French, isn't he? French Swiss. 
Anyway, I'm sure you're all familiar with Sebastian Jasso. If you're not, he was born in 1987 in Switzerland. The pedigree, as good as it gets. So he won the Kobe flute competition. For those flute players, for those who aren't flute players, sorry, the Kobe flute competition is probably the biggest flute competition in the world. It is the same place in Japan where the really fancy beef comes from. But anyway, yeah, the two things in Kobe are really class beef and flute players. So anyway, Jasso won the Kobe competition in 2013. He won the Nielsen competition, probably the next biggest food competition in 2014. And he won the ARD, or the ARD, um, music competition in Germany, a massive competition in 2015. So three years in a row, he won three of the biggest prizes in the world. He got his first principal flute job in an orchestra at the Hong Kong Philharmonic in 2006 at the ripe old age of 19. What was I doing at 19? I don't even want to say it in this podcast. It's probably illegal to say in the European Union. In 2008, Seiji Ozawa... If you don't know who Seiji Ozawa, don't look at me like that. Don't fucking Google it. Jesus Christ. You need to know who Seiji Ozawa is. He invites Mr. Jasso to be principal food of the Saito Kinen Orchestra in Japan in 2008. So Jasso's still only 21. A few years later, he wins the principal job at the Gewundhaus Orchestra in Leipzig. And that's it. This year, his orchestral career, which is already very impressive for a young man, this year it went into the fucking stratosphere now obviously he's guested as principal flute with many top orchestras but this year he won the job he is the new principal flute joint principal alongside mr emmanuel Bayou of the berlin philharmonic orchestra replacing Mathieu dufour so orchestrally he's done it all sebastian jasso getting the principal job with the berlin phil is the peak of all peaks it's as good as it gets that's it that's the fucking everest of flute playing in an orchestra Soloist, he's kind of done it all as well. He's played with all the major orchestras. He's done all the concertos. He's done everything. Chamber music, he's done a lot as well. Um, now, I have to be have to be honest. If you've ever spoke to me over the last few years about Mr. Yasso, I've been quite unfair. Because for a long time, I would have called Sebastian Yasso the world's best Emmanuel Bayou impersonator. They are very similar. And now that he's playing with Berlin as well, that makes it even more similar. But they're both Swiss. They both got that look about them. They both got the floppy hair. They've got a similar sound in the flute. I think they've got a similar interpretation to the way they do music. They're both fucking great flute players. They're both yeah. There's a lot of things that are similarities, but I, that's unfair. That is unfair. He's became a very mature artist. I've seen him live a few times, and he is incredible. But I saw him live, and he was very young. Um. And he is really maturing into a very special artist. He's still very young. What age is he? Born in 1987. So he's five years older than me. He's 35. You know, so he's still young as shit. Um, he doesn't have social media though. So he is a wonderful player. He's doing it all. But he doesn't have social media. Not properly. And I personally don't think he's as marketable as someone like Emmanuel Bayou or Jimmy Galway or Jean-Pierre Hompan. I don't think he's got that gold that people want to see. So I don't know if he's going to really take on the role. I suppose time will only tell. But he definitely is the favourite to take it on. And yeah, I hope he does in many ways. But there is number two. So number two is our up-and-comer. Someone who's kind of burst onto the scene, a la Micah Richards, in the last few years. If you don't get that reference, it's because you're American. I'm not going to... Sorry for sitting on Americans so much, but man, I'm in a bad mood about Americans. I saw a TikTok today. So I swear to fucking God, I saw a TikTok where it opened up with a woman, you know, like one of these fucking American girls with like her gym clothes on and like all the fucking plastic bottles and all in her flat and all that shit. I think, uh, as me and my husband, we can, we, what was it? 
me and my husband, we participate in small treat culture. I was like, what the fuck? What in the name of fuck am I watching? And I had to Google small treat culture. And apparently small treat culture is a new word in America where it means you give yourselves wee treats throughout the day. Wee bit of chocolate here and there. Or a wee nice espresso or whatever. And I was like, yeah, that's called being European. Dickhead. We participate in small treat culture. Fuck off. You do what the French do. You do what the Italians do. It's not... Stop talking as if you invented all this shit. Ah, man. Americans. Unbelievable. Anyway. What was it doing? Fuck. In my notes, the first thing I've read about this number two food barriers. Americans especially might recognise this name. Yeah. If you're still listening. <laughs> if you haven't switched off at this point. There are nice Americans. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably one of the very few nice Americans. You're probably like a normal person who just has an American accent. Very different to the majority of your country. Anyway. Number two, the up-and-comer is a young flute player called Eubin Kim. Now, when I say young, he is young. He was only born in 1997, so he's only 25. He's even younger than I am. And I'm a fucking spring chicken, baby. He was born in Seoul, in South Korea. And he moved to France at a young age to study with Philippe Bernal and José Daniel Castellón in Lyon. And you can hear this in his sound, okay? The influence of those two is very clear, especially José Daniel Castellón, who is one of my favourite all-time flute players and I think is so fucking underrated. And you can hear his sound in Yubin Kim. You can hear it massively in Michel Mohagas as well. Similar kind of sound. And Magri Monnier, the number one flute player in the planet Earth. Those three flute players all study with Jose Daniel. I think Michel studied with them. But anyway, they've got very similar sounds. Jose Daniel, very unique flute player and he passed that on to everyone. He barely has any records out. I think he lives in Lucerne now still. Amazing. I'll do an episode on him as well. But anyway, Eubin Kim won the special prize at the Kobe Beef Competition, the Kobe Food Competition, in 2013. Not the main prize, okay? So the special prize, I think it's the audience prize he won. Um, But anyway, he got the second prize at the Concours de Genève in 2014. Very big competition in Geneva. But then finally, in 2015, he wins the blah, 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 blah. And he does the blah, 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 blah. And it's amazing. Fair play to him. <laughs> he wins the Prague Spring Competition in 2015, which is a big food competition. And he finally gets his first gold medal on a major international competition. And then 2022, he wins the ARD Music Competition in Germany. So last year. And that's a big deal. So he's been going a long time, man. Like getting 2013, that's 10 years ago, he got the special prize. It feels like he's been about forever, and he's only fucking twenty-five. He got principal orchestra or principal flute of the Concerthaus Orchestra in Berlin at the ripe old age of twenty-one in twenty sixteen. Twenty-one years old. But the big news for especially the Americans among you is that he will be principal of the San Francisco Symphony as of January twenty twenty-four. He's just announced that. He is a genuinely unique musician. Very modern style. Um, I'm trying to think of how to describe that style. It's so modern, but it's it's very tasteful. It's very delicate, and it's incredibly nuanced. There's nothing in your face. It's all very beautifully constructed. Everything leads on from the last. It's very weighted. It's so delicate. And the thing that I will notice most about him, and you guys have to check it out, go watch him on YouTube. Don't listen to him, watch him on YouTube. His fingers. I'm a big fucking fan of it. He plays with his fingers. I don't mean he plays a flute with his fingers, obviously he plays a fucking flute with his fingers, but what I mean is, if he's doing 
a particularly expressive note, he will lean into it with his finger. Just watch his fingers, man. I, I can't describe it, but his fingers move in a way that is musically coherent with everything else he does. And that's really fucking cool. So it gives a visual impact as well. Um, brilliant. And he seems like a really nice guy as well. Not many interviews of him, but not video interviews, written interviews a lot, but he seems like a really nice guy. Now, there's one big issue for him. Is the world, the classical music world, or the fruit world ready for an Asian superstar? Now, obviously, the fucking should be. I mean, it's 2023, obviously, that shouldn't be an issue, but, you know, it's classical music. Classical music isn't known for being forward thinking or liberal in its views, so that's probably a problem. And I was shocked to find out he's the first Korean principal flute in a major American orchestra or in an American orchestra like I mean like a proper American orchestra not like the fucking Timbuktu Symphony Orchestra or some shit he's have orchestras in the piss arse nowhere like four players over there I mean like a real orchestra you know like one of the big ones not even the big six or whatever it's big seven but like a proper American orchestra he's the first Korean principal flute in one which is incredible to think I thought that would have happened long ago you know classical music is we'll just say it as this classical music is racist it's always been racist notoriously so and I hope he's the one to finally break it down. I hope he's the one that can finally push past that. As much as I love Hompal Galway and... I say Galway with a French accent. Hompal, Jimmy and Bahu. They are all straight white lads from European countries. And it's maybe time that we just freshen that up a little bit. Or someone who's genuinely capable of freshening up should be considered and shouldn't be disregarded purely because of the colour of their skin or where they're born. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm aware of Jasmine Choi, obviously, a Korean-American flutist. I say Korean-American, she is Korean. I think from what I know, she was born in Korea. And she's, like, her parents are Korean. But she played into the American system. She went to American college at a young age. She did the whole system. She was involved in it. So she jumped through their hoops and they kind of accept her as one of their own. Um, so that's why I don't... I wouldn't say I don't include her but I don't view her in the same way as I do someone like Eubin Kim who is not American in the slightest but is now going to America so I'm a big fan of him he could be the one his social media isn't great I have to say it's not great he's on it does he totally utilise it? no but that's why I've thrown in number three the wild card normally that's where I'd hit pause and restart the the video but I can't be fucked number three the wild card um, this girl is something else she's something else so I've had to put her in this and I would love to get her interviewed in the podcast I don't know if she speaks English I've never seen her speak English but I really hope she does um, my wild card choice for the successor to Emmanuel Bayou is a Russian flute player called Sofia Vland. now on Sofia she has as good a pedigree as you can hope to find for example, she has done it all she her cv is fucking perfect there's nothing she hasn't done so she's young i don't actually know what age she is exactly kind of find it hard to find out but yeah you might be able to guess from what i tell you but anyway she's young she's from st petersburg in russia now who has she studied with to give you an idea she has studied with felix Hengli, andreas blau hoskinson andrea liebrechnecht uh christian mccall vicent pratt francois laurent and william bennett now that's fucking everybody that's the that's Man, that's purebred flute player there. Um, see, when she was a kid, she won everything. Like, fucking every prize locally that she could win in Russia, she won the fucking lot. She comes from a very successful family of Russian musicians as well. So it's really bled, or bred into her. Incredible musician. 
2013, she got the principal flute job with the Marinsky Orchestra. Now, again, I don't know what age she is, but I know that she was very young in 2013. Under 20, I think, because I would say she's younger than I am. I'm 30, believe it or not. This is what a young man in Belfast looks like. I would say she's definitely younger than I am, so she would have been teenager when she got the principal job with Marinsky. Now, if you don't know who Marinsky are, you fucking should, but they are an opera and ballet out in St. Petersburg, the principal conductor for a very long time was, I think it still is, is Valery Gergiev, which if you don't know Jesus Christ, you should know. Um, former principal conductor with the LSO, no longer the whole Russia thing, but we'll not talk about that. Um, but anyway, Sophia is principal there still. Now, I, I've ran out of words to describe how fucking great this girl is. She is fierce as a person. You can get her personality from her Instagram. Now, she's big on your social media. She has got a massive personality, especially for a flute player. We don't see this in the flute world very often. She is rock and roll, punk rock. She doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks. Um, she's very active there. For example, she's big into her hip-hop music, and she makes no secret of it. She's big into her fashion. And to be honest, she's very relatable. She looks like a normal person on social media. She behaves the way normal people behave there. I could totally see myself going for a drink with her. She seems like a cool person. She doesn't do the whole oh I'm delighted to do this and all the bollocks that you talk on social media to make people happy she does whatever the fuck she wants she puts videos up of herself partying she do videos of herself having shots and then the next day she'll be playing a fucking Paganini Caprice perfectly um, and that's actually again I need to drill this in is as a flute player fucking amazing like incredible perfect technique massive musicality pure passion the only criticism i think you could have i don't have this but you could have is that she's over the top which to me is not a criticism that's a good thing so anyway she is perfect for media um like we've talked about the marketable personalities of hompal galway and Bau. they're all made to be on tv sophia is made to be on tv 100 percent. she is perfect especially for modern tv and modern social media she is a star sitting there ready to go um so she's still doing everything obviously her career is only starting she has also played with music eterna the orchestra that taylor Carinces conducts which is oh man that orchestra they're so good i will do an episode on that uniquely when i start to research exactly who's played with them as fruit players but that is the orchestra of the moment for me is Music Eterna. Chamber Orchestra out in Russia, hand-picked players by Theodore Kerensis, the Russian conductor. Un-fucking-believable. Like, yeah, stupidly good. Stupidly, stupidly good. Um, and she spent with them. And last year, which is probably most known for, is she won the Tchaikovsky Woodwind Competition. So the Tchaikovsky Competition, a very, very famous classical music competition, every four years brought in woodwinds as a section in 2019 so it used to be just strings and piano and actually the first piano player to win it who wasn't russian was barry douglas from northern ireland and it's a shame he's a wanker (laughs) but anyway sophia vieland won the tchaikovsky competition last year and no surprises she was incredible the videos were on the the videos from the final on youtube unbelievable she's already a major force in russia 
I mean, she's playing as a soloist everywhere. She's playing one of the best orchestras. She's winning competitions. She's done the lot. She's a major, major player in Russia. The only thing I think she needs to get now is a chance on the international stage. And I want to see her go to America or to the UK or to Germany and bring what she's doing there. That's all she needs, in my opinion, to potentially be the next Emmanuel Pau. That's why she's my wild card. Not many people know her outside of Russia or outside the flute world, but she could be fucking massive. She's got everything that's needed. Always been a fan of her. We'll see. But good luck to her. Anyway, we're going to wrap this up. We have, I know, about two minutes left before we get over that 35-minute mark, that golden mark. So anyway, that was a speculative episode, as it always is. Again, don't fucking come for me, all right? I don't care. If you're going to come for me, do it in Facebook flute form and I'll eat you alive. I won't really. I'm not mean. I just like picking on people. Um, so take it with a huge pinch of salt as always guys this podcast is fun for most of it it's going to get a lot funner coming up soon i have got some great live episodes i don't know if i can tell you yeah fuck it i'll tell you so by the time this episode comes out i will have recorded or be in the process of recording some guest episodes at a very special venue in belfast called the sunflower bar so if you get a chance google the sunflower bar and see what we're up for. They have very kindly offered me a room to record in. Free of charge. Um, and I've got some very special guests to come and join me there for a pint of stout and some shite talking. So you can look forward to that next week. Well, probably the episode next week or the week after if I don't do a, a Wild in Ireland episode, which I might do as well, where I might record like a field or something in Ireland and talk bollocks. But anyway, it's been a pleasure, guys, as always. Um, I will be back soon. I hope you guys got something out of this podcast. If you go and listen to any of the three players I've recommended or any of the ones earlier, send them a message. Let them know how much you enjoy their playing. These are still flute players. They're still people. They want to know, okay? So say to them, listen, I heard about you. I think you're brilliant. They will appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, send me a message. For the love of Christ, let me know that you like it. I love hearing from you guys. It makes my fucking day hearing from you guys. It makes me so happy to know that you guys enjoyed the episode. Especially if you got all the way to here so look after yourself have a lovely weekend i hope you do something nice i hope you eat your favorite food or drink your favorite drink or see your favorite person or stroke a dog or cuddle up with a cat i hope you have a lovely weekend do one of those things and i will see you all next week big smooches and big love